that's enough of that. Hello and welcome to our 2003 episode. We have a uh, returning co-host, Will Sisko here. Triumphant return. The triumphant return of Will. Even though I, I did name, I don't know if you heard, I, I did name Jack an uh, 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 honorary co-host last mm. week. So, like, so, as long as it's just honorary. Well, I, I mean, I was going to say, like, I didn't, you know, are you replaceable? Like, I won't say yes or no. <laughs> and then we have first time guests all the way from Orlando, Florida. We have Aton. Hi, Aton. Hi, good to be here. So, we ask every guest to start off. Every first time guest, I should say. We ask them to describe your musical tastes, your preferences. How would you describe it on her share, your musical preferences? I mean, I'd say I like a wide variety, but probably most partial to hip hop, specifically like late 90s, early 2000s. So 2003 is like right up my alley. I think I'm also very nostalgic when it comes to music. And this is like our middle school era, like I was going to like bar and bat mitzvahs every weekend. So I was hearing all these songs like constantly. So I'm excited to talk about these songs. I was going to say, cause I think, I think, I think you like specifically pointed out this year as like 2003 being the year of like, you really want that, that that was like the one you wanted to do. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was talking, you know, in 2002 with Jack, we were talking about just kind of like how we're, now in this range where I think, you know, yeah, like kind of middle school bar bat mitzvahs, like where like we kind of everyone seems to overlap at least a little bit with like, you know, knowing all these hits, like still kind of listening to the radio, still knowing all these hits. Whereas like before, you know, late 90s, it's not quite, you know, you might not know all the songs and then kind of later on it might, you know, you might not be listening to these songs as much when you start listening to other stuff, but like we're right in that sweet spot, I feel like. I think this uh, was also around the time that I started buying albums more regularly. Um, like my parents started letting me get parental advisory CDs. Oh, oh wow. So I started really like exploring all these artists. So like, <clears throat> so I would imagine like 50 Cent this year. Did you have Get Rich or Die Trying? Yeah, and like the Black Album. Oh, shit. Speaker box and the love below. Speaker box, love below. I had that was a big one. Yeah. Um, well, over. I mean, well, I, I can never remember if I ask overall impressions at the beginning, but I'll I'll, I'll leave it to the end. We'll just kind of get started. So we have two thousand three. So we are all what twelve years old. Twelve. Yeah. The middle school. Yeah. What is twelve? The sixth grade, seventh grade. Seventh grade? I guess, what would it be? Sixth to seventh grade? Yeah. yeah. I always remember 2004 because that was the, that's the, that's the bar mitzvah year. So I, I always remember 2004. Like, that's a marker. But a lot of these kids were at the bar mitzvahs. Yeah, a lot of these other... carried over to 2004. Definitely. Okay. Um, so we will start with January 4th. 2003 it's a layover from 2002 it's from now january 4th 2003 until january 25th another four weeks at number one we have eight miles own eminem lose yourself 
Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment that you captured, Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, so I'll say we we discussed this. Jack and I discussed this uh, the last show, and I think the one you know the one area that we agreed on was just like that this song was kind of recognized as this, like you know great song, and it still is. I think, and it was kind of the moment that. You know, at least for both of us, I think, you know, Eminem became this like serious artist, you know, is like this kind of big moment. But what, you know, what are, what are your thoughts with, with Lose Yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of Eminem's best songs. It's kind of amazing that he made this song and this movie like at the, at the same time as uh, the Eminem show. Like this was all like within like a couple of years. Um, and I know you guys talked about like, him winning the Oscar and how he didn't show up. Yeah. And he ended up performing the song at like the 2020 Oscars, just like randomly. Yeah, that was really like, weird. I remember yeah, saying that. 20 years later. And like no one like knew why. Yeah. <laughs> and he just kind of showed up and left. Yeah. No, that, uh, yeah, I actually didn't think about that, but maybe, maybe that's why he showed up. Because he, he, he missed yeah. it. He never, he, he never actually got the Oscar. It was never actually given to him. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great song. Uh, the guitar hook is just great and so iconic. And they don't, they really don't shy away from kind of playing it throughout a huge portion of the song because I think Eminem just, you know, knew this is just such a great driving force for the back of this, for the beat of the song. Uh, I didn't like the verses as much as I remembered. I felt like uh, they were kind of repetitive, uh, just not like just basically kind of keeping the cha- same rhythm throughout the entire verse and through each verse. And that the that rhythm themselves weren't that different from the chorus, but still overall, I really like the song. I don't know. It's probably just me and what I was listening to at the time, but I was kind of surprised this is a number one. I remember this in my memory. It wasn't ever as big as like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, without me, please stand up or whatever the actual name is. But I don't know. Like I said, maybe just was what I was listening to at the time, and as listening to less rap, I don't. I really don't know. But I, I just remember in my mind, this got really big when it became more like Mimi and like Mom Spaghetti appearing online all the time. Like I felt like it had a resurgence kind of later on, but I didn't remember being huge when it actually came out. It is apparently still his most played song on on Spotify, which maybe you know that might be part of it too, but. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I, Jack mentioned uh, when we talked about this that you know he was more of kind of a without me fan. Like I think kind of Eminem's you know funnier, lighter side of things as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of this really serious song. Um, and I you know kind of made me think about like you know uh, did I kind of you know have a preference for one or the other? Because I feel like Eminem, you know, he kind of divided his songs into like his like you know big serious kind of you know, dark songs or whatever. And then kind of his, like every album he would have, you know, at least one or, I mean, more than one, but like the single would always be like, you know, Without Me or Real Soul Chair, these kind of like light, 
lighter jokey songs um and and i think yeah i mean i I think maybe part of the i i think growing up listening to eminem i I think my preference is always kind of for the more serious for whatever reason i mean like without me and that was kind of a fun you know those were fun those were fine but i think maybe the reason why i like the song still as much as i do is like because it was kind of a drastic like change it's funny yeah it does it does feel like this is kind of like coming out party for him like you know i can make these hits that are harder and not just kind of especially being someone who's kind of an outsider in rap at the time you know being white it's it's, he's probably very intentionally trying to move away from sounding gimmicky with this song and i think it works well yeah um yeah yeah and i think that's just why like this is the song where it's like now everyone respects Eminem because this is like the serious Eminem. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, that this is like his number one song because I feel like it has a lot of more like crossover appeal than some of his other songs. Like anyone could enjoy the message that this song has to say. Right. Pumps you up. Yeah, it really feels like it's had a lot more staying power than at least the earlier singles. Maybe because it's, you know, it's played at every sports event now mm-hmm. and on every show. Yeah, it's like kind of a song for like, you know, inspirational pump-up song. Like, um, all right, that's how I'm going yourself. We can move on to another serious song. Uh, February 1st, 2003, only one week on the charts. And I, I think the only number one song for B2K, we have B2K featuring P. Diddy with Bump, Bump, Bump. Yeah, let's do it, y'all. Uh-huh. I wanna get you to myself. Me and nobody else can do the things we do. Maybe there is something that I need from you. Come on, baby, turn around and let me see that sexy body go bump, bump, bump. That is all I wanna see, baby. Show me. Come on, show baby, me. turn around and let me see that sexy body go bump, bump, bump. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a catchy song, um, but I think I think it was produced by R. Kelly, so it probably hasn't really aged that well, um, especially, like, considering the content of the song. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, this falls in a, in a bucket of a lot of songs we've talked about where I only really like the chorus and not only do I only really like the chorus, but I really only like when they say the title, like it's very catchy and fun. And then everything else I find pretty forgettable. I just can't believe this is the number one song for any, like, cause it's like, I, I remember it, but it doesn't like, st- it, it had no staying power. Like I, you know, probably had heard it and then forgot about it when it came out pretty immediately. Um, looking at b2k's uh wikipedia page i was pretty shocked that like they were really big for i mean you know like not only did they have this number one song but they also they also i didn't realize that the movie you got served like basically features b2k which is another movie i didn't see but like it did make 50.6 million dollars at the boss office um yeah i don't know i mean i 
I actually like I had thought that like maybe the reason why this was number one was because like the association with P. Diddy and and didn't he have that, that reality show he had uh making the band. But I don't think this is the result of that. Uh and plus like I guess Amarian would be stay kind of big, but yeah, just like I like when I saw this as number one, my first reaction was like, like, how was this number one? You know? I feel like it is pretty impressive that it got to number one in in a year where these sorts of songs are really becoming less and less successful um like i feel like if this song came out in like 99 it would have been a number one for a long time like i feel like that more r&b type sound was really kind of still huge then sounds like you disagree maybe it's Maybe it only got there because it was a little different and more R&B than other songs that were number ones at the time. But it it just feels like a little late for this to come out. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I just think this is a stupid song. Like it's like <laughs> it, it just like it, I guess it's catchy, but it's not even like had, I don't know. Like it, it 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 again. It's a song that I I, I remember it came out. I remember I, I I knew it when it came out, and then I completely forgot about it. You know what I mean? Like it just, and you know, the group itself, I think this was really only, you know, kind of the one big hit for them, but yeah, it just like, it kind of stuck out. Like why was his number one? But I don't mean to disparage Marion and P. Diddy and the other members of B2K, who I'm sure are great. Um, more specifically, Omarion, Jay Book, Rasby and Lil Fizz. We move on. Uh, number one for February 8th, February 15th, 22nd, March 1st, four weeks. And number one, we have JLo featuring LO Cool J with All I Have. Had my last real kiss. I do believe we'll laugh and reminisce. Wait a minute, don't bounce, baby. Let's talk about this, man. Well, I'm bouncing and I'm outside. I gotta leave you alone. Cause I'm good. Holding down my spot. Another song that I knew when I heard it, I did not recognize the title when I saw it. Um, I wouldn't say this is my favorite of the J-Lo collection of number one songs. We've had a few. Um, I don't know, it's just kind of not a very exciting song. Like it seems like kind of a throwaway and like, look, I've disparaged Ja Rule a lot uh, uh, on previous episodes of this podcast, but at the very least, like he stood out in his verses. I feel like LL Cool J doesn't really serve much of a purpose here. But yeah, I think compared to a song like "I'm Real," this one's a lot more forgettable. Um, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just like kind of like I don't know. It doesn't really like stand out. Yeah, I mostly am repeating both of you guys, but I, I also forgot the song. And then when I heard it, I recognized it immediately. I like, I really like the pitched up sample of, uh, yeah. what's your name, Deborah Laws. Like, I think that works well. And this is also the point where I feel like soon after this, so many artists started using that 
like really pitched up, sped up. Like I'm thinking of like Akon's Lonely, but I feel like there's also a bunch of others around that time where so, that became well, big. So it well, feels like yeah. a, I'm sure it wasn't the first, but I feel it feels a little fresh sharing that compared to other samples we've heard. And yeah, I agree with it. LL Cool J didn't, I feel like he wasn't really that needed on this. Um, it's a pretty song, but I think when you said it was unexciting, David, that's kind of the word I would use. It, it feels like it could go somewhere and elevate, like maybe with the big bridge or something where Jayla like lets loose, but it doesn't. It just kind of stays yeah. same dynamic and same vibes throughout the whole song. Yeah, actually, I thought this was produced by Kanye at first because it kind of like sounds like something he would do. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's interesting too because like Kanye will pretty much emerge like next year. In 2004 i mean he's producing a lot of stuff around this time but uh yeah i mean that's interesting because it does really it does sound like you know if, if it said like kanye produces so i wouldn't have been surprised but it does yeah that sped up sample um is i you know i i think the sped up sample is like the memorable part of the song you know you know and, i mean and the whole chorus is taken from the same song so it's like that's kind of given I mean, like the melody is. So that's kind of the basis for the whole song, really. It also kind of sounds like a song that, like, anyone else, like, if Ashanti had done this year before, it could have been a number one hit, you know? Yeah. I think, LL, you know, LL Cool J is kind of interesting because I feel like every, like, big song he was on around this time, I think, kind of sucked. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but, like, I feel, I feel like he, like, it was, his stuff was so unexciting around this time, but it's kind of like an unfair portrayal because all of his, you know, memorable like classic stuff was before we were born, you know? So I wonder if like maybe I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't explored the LL Cool J catalog. So but I feel like you know he features on these like you know songs occasionally and whenever I hear them, I'm like, why is LL Cool J on the song? But I don't want to be unfair to LL Cool J. March 8th, the song of the spring, March 8th through May 3rd. So that is a long nine-week run at the top of the charts. We have the first number one single for 50 Cent into club. I'm glad I played the edited version because I actually have a point about that. Uh, th th there have been a few songs where when I hear the unedited version, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because I've only heard the edited versions, this being one of them. So when I heard the unedited version, there's a few lines in there that kind of shocked me. Um, but uh, yeah, that's but that's a minor point. Um, I think I, yeah, listening back to this song, I kind of now better understand why it was such a big song. Like, I, I, I think when this song came out, I 
like kind of resisted the 50, you know, kind of the, the, the hype a little bit. And I think especially with this song, because it was literally everywhere for several years, essentially. Uh, and this album was everywhere. Like, I think Get Rich or Die Trying was like, you know, the number one album of the year or at least close to it. Like, and it was just kind of an inescapable thing. But then kind of listening back to it now, like with objective lens, it's just like such a well-produced song. <laughs> you know, it, like he's so memorable on it. There's so many classic verses, like, but it's really kind of the production, like Dr. Dre's production. It's so like tight and original and memorable. Like I, I don't know, like it, it's hard to say, like, you know, how can you be blown away by the song? Everyone's heard the song a million times, but I was kind of like, like, wow, like what a great song that I didn't appreciate when it came out, honestly. Yeah, I think the, that, the beat is really what makes the song. Um, yeah. Like the Dr. Dre beat is just so like crisp. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, I think I remember I talked to some people before about Get Rich or Die Trying. Like if 50 Cent died after that album came out, he would probably be considered like one of the best rappers of all time. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how big the album was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it was huge. Did you have the album? I think I asked before, but yeah, I remember. I mean, my brother was a big Fifty Cent fan. Like he had the. This is one of those albums that he I think bought or got or somehow, and I kind of like listened to it through him, and you know, it's kind of like oh, like every song is memorable, really. <laughs> And there are several, you know, there's another number one hit on this album and several other hits. Um, apparently there's a disagree. like I read that like when they were gonna put out the first single, they're debating between putting out the song If I Can't, which is like a good song. It's kind of like a good pump-up song, uh, but not as memorable and 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 in the club. And I think it was like I think it was actually Eminem who was like really like emphasizing to put out into club and they kind of decided the last minute to do it uh so that was kind of interesting but um yeah no this album was huge and you know this album and the next album were so big (laughs) and now i feel like he's kind of like uh i don't know seeing this kind of washed up um doesn't really have the hits anymore it's kind of a i don't know i guess maybe is more known as like a you know, entrepreneur more than anything at this point, but um, it's pretty hard to like, I guess, you know, um, minimize how big this was. Will, did you have a connection to 50 Cent when this? I was kind of in the same boat as you where like even before I started listening, I kind of had negative connotations just because it was everywhere. Like this album was just, I felt it was just, constantly being played and I was kind of already sick of it before I gave it like a real shot um but then like you I heard I was like oh okay I get why this is so big it feels so fresh compared to like other rap from the same time or that we've heard in earlier episodes and I I don't even know if I can really put my finger on exactly what it is I think it comes right I think it's the beat but even like 50s flow just feels kind of so different from what we what we've heard in other rappers it just really does seem fresh and stands out and it's a really good song I don't know I don't know why I wasn't into it at the time. Yeah. I, I, again, thanks to Wikipedia, I learned more about the song. Apparently, this was first, the, the beat itself was offered to D12 
at first, um, but they pass on it because, again, according to Wikipedia, the group did not know how to approach the song. Uh, and, uh, you know, 50 Cent will say would actually take it on, which is, yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of like a perfect balance of like the beat being so memorable and, and, and fun and, you know, well-constructed and like 50 Cent's kind of tone, his, his voice being like really stand, something that stands out, especially when it came out, you know, like it was such a fresh, like, you know, fresh sound really um so i can one thing i noticed a lot in the song and the other 50 songs from this year was in my head he had a really kind of uh like had really aggressive in your face vocals and i and like listening to the songs from this year was like oh it it was much more kind of laid back rapping than i remembered and it was just a lot of the kind of the in your face memories i mean i guess one his image because he felt like kind of like a harder rapper than at least what? when I was in middle school listening to rap. Uh, and then also just like the beat so aggressive and in your face that he can kind of like play against that and kind of sit back in the in his vocals and kind of, uh, you know, be a little more laid back. And I like that juxtaposition. I think that's what I read was like, that was kind of a main, maybe part of the reason why they really like wanted this to be the first single, like why they made the decision was because I think I mean, I think part of, you know, part of the reason why 50 Cent was so huge immediately, like right off the bat was like the legend of him. Cause I think like when this came out, like, you know, it was like, everyone was talking about like, oh, this guy was shot nine times, you know, and like, and it affected his voice. And like, that's why he has kind of a, you know, unique like voice. Um, Like it was just kind of like the legend surrounding it, which is I think like, yeah, Tony said like, if this was the only album he put out, like, you know, it, would it be even like more, you know, highly, uh, you know, regarded? Um, you know, like he'd probably have an even better, like a bigger legacy. Yeah. Was, and, I mean, it also helped that he had Eminem and Dr. Dre. Like, yeah. yeah. Did anyone see the movie uh, Get Richard I Train? No, but I heard it was terrible. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. And I actually, seen eight uh, miles. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, th- there you go. That's the re- that's probably the reason why I did it because it was like Eminem and M and Eminem did it. So then he does it, but it's not nearly as big or well regarded. And then he has a feud with Fifty. I mean, with Kanye West, and he loses and kind of falls off after that. So well, here. now I just think of him as his his beef with Floyd Mayweather. I feel like that's the only time I see him in the news lately. Oh, really? Not just, not his vitamin water. Well, that was, you know, vitamin water doesn't feel... You know how much money he's made from vitamin water? Oh, yeah. I know. I remember reading something that was just, like, insane. Yeah. He has a lot of beasts now. It's kind of obnoxious. But also, Floyd Mayweather sucks, too, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's I what I, I'm I think I root for 50 Cent over Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. 100%. The first number one single for Sean Paul. We have from May 10th to May 24th. 2003, you have Get Busy by Sean Paul. It's my fame. It's a good girl, turn me on till I heard him on. Let's get it on. Let's get it on till I heard him on. Girl, it's a good just turn me on. Y'all close with it. Don't get agitated. Y'all go and rotate. Car. Anything you want, you know you must get it. Coming in my mention, no easy tension. Y'all run the program, just go and fit it. Y'all have a good time. Y'all free up on your mind. Can't nobody care. This your man won't let it. 
you are the number one girl Wave your hand, make them see the wedding band Yo, sexy ladies want power with us You know the car with us, them not war with us I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that you both love this song. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, yeah, I was I was like obsessed with Sean Paul back in the day. I think his album was actually the first parental advisory album that I ever had. Oh, wow. I think I, I kind of remember my mom like listened to it at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> and she couldn't Man, understand. this reminded me how many songs i listen to at barnes and nobody just scan all those cds and listen to stuff for so long yeah but she couldn't understand any of the lyrics or she, like, i guess <laughs> you like whatever yeah that makes sense if you can't i mean i think that's a lot i mean that's a big like I, i'm pretty sure i bought like a nelly on on censored cd i don't think my parents listened to it but i think if they had like to approve it they wouldn't have understood it either way so yeah certainly, certainly with this one like you know um yeah uh, I, yeah i mean again like a song that was just everywhere um i don't know i mean like well i mean there's more sean paul that comes up but like it's pretty amazing just like how again kind of on a similar honestly similar level like 50 cent like how everywhere he was at this time kind of out of nowhere um but even i think even more like you know uh, i think you know, as a credit to him, like the sound itself kind of bringing this like, you know, dance hall, you know, reggae fusion type thing. And like, if you, you know, the, the top 100 has a bunch of like other like reggae fusion songs. So it's kind of like this like movement almost. Um, but I don't know, this is not my favorite of the songs of this era. Like I'll talk about one when we get to our top five. Um, but I, again, I, I think the reason is like because this song was inescapable for so long that I still kind of listen to it. I'm like, I've heard enough. Like, with that being said, I think it's like a really well made, fun song. Like, and I really like like the synth part, you know, mm. kind of over the over the chorus. So that's my thought. Yeah, but, I, yeah, going. I I can see why. You thought I'd love this song. I am a sucker for, you know, the reggae. Yeah. You love the reggae. Most of the reggae we've heard throughout the podcast. But I don't know. This one is, I enjoy it, but it's not my favorite. I feel like this is another one of the songs for me where the chorus is great and catchy and I like it. And then the rest of the song I can kind of do without. I mean, I just kind of get bored by the end of the song. But I like, when it first comes on, I'm like fully into it. And then I kind of get sick of it by the end of it. I realized for, that I've always confused this song with Shake Your Tail Feather just from the title, because oh. it's like, it starts with Shake That Thing, and in my head, it was like, oh yeah, this is the song about shaking that, and like, this is the Shake Your Tail song from this era, but I realized I always had those two flipped in my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I, one thing I was thinking while we were listening to the sample is that it feels like there's, it's been a through line since this, the first year of this podcast, like 99, 91, or maybe it was 92 or three, but I, there's like, it seems like so, so many years throughout there's like one or two random reggae or like uh kind of caribbean influenced songs like pop up but they never seem to have a moment where it's like several in the like even going back to like when it was like white people co-opting to be like uh like informer yeah yeah. i think there's another one the same year so it it seems like so consistent that people kind of like it as like a change of pace but it never there's never like a big reggae moment where it's like this is the sound of this year right 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, like even Shaggy, like, yeah, like they pop up and then they kind of, I mean, Sean Paul has more staying power than anybody in that category that we've heard so far, but at least up till now, it feels like people like kind of pop up, people are into this like different sounding thing and then it takes a couple of years before there to be another reggae song, the number one. Yeah, I think it's definitely true. I mean, certainly with like reggaeton stuff, like, I mean, this again with just looking at the top 100 for this year there's several songs that like not only are so you know reggae you know indebted to reggae might be considered like reggae tone um which you know again like i mean i guess when we say reggae too we're, we're really talking about like reggae tone kind of a hip-hop thing because I don't, I don't know if there's really been like a reggae reggae song yeah yeah um um and in fact there's like um maybe maybe i'll get to this later but like one thing i noticed is that there's a few other songs in the top 100 that not only are they kind of similar to like reggaeton thing but they have literally like the same clap beat like and it, and like that was kind of an amazing thing to hear because it was like wait like you know it, it's like such a clear like wow this is such a trend of its time that like you know it's inevitable that it wouldn't last um just because they were like such similar sounds but yeah no i think you're right like i think kind of reggaeton it, it pops up every you know few years is like you know a big thing and then kind of like goes back to being like less popular and you know i mean recently we have like a lot of you know like justin bieber type artists who did a lot of like um you know i guess not really reggaeton but like kind of you know stuff that's indebted to like spanish music and latin american music that's and when that happens it's like oh wait this is just like a trend again <laughs> so what do you think it, what do you think it was about sean paul that made him like so big i think it's the hip-hop part of it like i i think it's just like you know like shaggy you know we talk about shaggy it's like his i think we both will and i you know liked the shaggy songs for the most part i think maybe will more than me but um like he was much more of like kind of a pop beat artist like he kind of made pop songs just with his voice like this is so much more like indebted to hip-hop and you know kind of a fusion between like you know he's featured on like other hip-hop songs and you know he'll be featured on a Beyonce song even though it's not really hip-hop but like I think he was able to like kind of combine the two in a really cool way that was new at the time. But uh, with that said, like I, I definitely wasn't the biggest Sean Paul fan at the time, but I think I can like, you know, see the influence even more now. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to Sean Paul, but we have at number one for May 31st to June 21st. Maybe the song, no, not the song of summer, not even close. The second entry from uh, 50 Cent, we have 21 questions featuring Nate Dillon. Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me? Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down 
and how would you still have love for me? Now would you girl? leave me if you father find out I was thugging? Do you believe me when I tell you, you the one I'm loving? Are you mad cause I'm asking you 21 questions? Are you my soulmate cause if so, girl you're a blessing? Do you trust me enough to tell me your dreams? I'm staring at you trying to figure how you got them jeans if I was Susan, what are your thoughts now? Oh, damn. Oh, well. Lush is in recovery mode. She was sick this week, so. Oh. She didn't, she didn't like hearing 21 questions. He has a very handcrafted, only chicken and rice diet, so it's time for his chicken. Sorry. Yeah, he, he left really disrespectfully to Bill. <laughs> uh, um, but I can go. Uh, this, is one of, this is a song I totally forgot about, and I feel like even at the time, I mean, it sounded very familiar. I'm sure I listened to it plenty because, like we said, like we've said, this album was all over the place. So I remember hearing this song way less than his others from this album that were singles, um, and I really like it. Um, I, it's just it's really kind of well crafted song. It's another one where, uh, like his laid back flow really works well, um, and it was interesting because it does feel like so off character for him, like like we talked about with his image getting shot nine times being this you know hard guy rapping and then he comes off with this kind of like pretty almost ballady type song yeah. i was reading that dre didn't want it on the album he thought it wasn't gangster enough uh but that 50 fought for it and he said he was quote two people so it's for a, a, you know it, it feels like a pretty big deal for somebody like 50 to like push back against dre and what dre would think would be successful like in his first album um but i think it was a good stand to take and it, it gave him a lot more depth as an artist than if something like this wasn't on the album or wasn't a single. Yeah. I mean, probably the reason why he was as big as he was was because he was able to kind of defy that image. Like, well, not even defy, but like expand his like image. Yeah. Um, Make him less one note of a character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I that that's something I, I think I can appreciate now, like just the fact that this essentially followed in the club, and I mean, the club is a party song, like it's not even like really, it's not, it's not a gangster yeah, no, rap song. There are several of those on the album, but you know, neither of these is that. Um, I don't know. To me, it's like I, I like the song. I, I've never really loved the song, but to me, it's also like Fifty Cent is the least interesting part of the song, to me at least. You know the beat is I, I love the kind of you know the 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 repeating beat that comes through you know kind of uh, just I don't I don't even know what what instrument you say that is like kind of an electric piano I, I don't even know but uh, and Nate Dogg's hook to me is like any anytime you have a big song that like Nate Dogg's hook is on like he is the one who makes the song and he was all yeah. over the place during the spirit like he's on Eminem songs he was you know doing Snoop Dogg songs, like, and, you know, he's just, like, the best hook make hook singer, like, and to me, like, that's a memorable part of the song, because the, the verses are kind of silly, and I know they're, like, meant to be silly, but, you know, it's really Nate Dogg in the, in the production for me. Yeah, I agree. Nate Dogg is my favorite part of the song. I think on this album, this is definitely one of the songs that I listen to the least for some reason. Yeah. Uh, there were just other songs that I liked better. Um, but I appreciate um, like what Will was saying that it was like included in the album. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't meant for, you know, it's not the song that was 
designed for you know 12 year old boys or maybe it was i don't know like you know it, it, but I, I think yeah it was it was definitely meant to expand his image as like not just only this like you know gangster rapper who you know was shot nine times and you know can make aggressive uh songs like it's I think definitely part of the reason, you know, he was as big as he was. Speaking of as big as he was, we have the first and only entry from the not winner, but number two runner up of American Idol season two. We have Clay Aiken with This Is the Night. So again, the only number one song uh, for Clay Aiken. Ruben Sutter never had a number one song, important to mention, and he won the competition. But So I, 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 I asked this of, of Jack when we discussed Kelly Clarkson's number one song in 2002, but were either of you guys American Idol watchers? At yeah, this I, was a, I was a big American Idol watcher. Okay. Um, I'd say... I'm spitballing a bit, but probably through like four seasons, I probably watched every episode and then I kind of lost interest, okay. but this is right in peak time for me. So, so with that being said, were you a Clay Aiken fan? No, I, I was definitely rooting for Ruben Sundard. Yeah. Um, I just, I thought he was a better singer and way more likable from what you saw on the show compared to Clay Aiken. Yeah. I think I was the same way. I was rooting for Ruben and uh, I think even at the time, I recognized like how cheesy Clay Aiken was, like as a singer and performer, and just like you know that like he was not appealing, you know, like that this wasn't for me. <laughs> like, I think there was this like notion at the time that he was like so big with like suburban moms and like older women. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember being like, sure he was gonna win. Because he just seemed like he seemed like he was the type of person who the people who watched American Idol would vote for. Like you were saying, like suburban moms. I felt like he just fit that image in my head. And I was like sure he was gonna win over who I wanted to, Ruben. So I was very happy when he no. and, and you're smarter than me because I was devastated. And I was no, I wasn't different. <laughs> but like, you know, I was like, how could Ruben not win? Like, you know, he's so much more oh he did in my head I had it backwards. Wait, so Clay Aiken, no, Ruben no, did Clay Aiken lost. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, so you're so you're you must have been surprised then. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait. Okay. Then I'm I thought, I thought you were saying yeah, you were saying you were devastated when Ruben did. Okay, then I was happy that he won. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was already very pissed from season one when Tamira didn't win because I thought she was so great. She, she came in like third or fourth. And then I was so sure that the same thing would happen with uh, this season. But I was very happy when Ruben won. Hey Tom, please feel free to you know come into our conversation about American Idol season yeah. two. I, I never watched American Idol. Uh, I mean, I knew about this and I knew about like the whole thing with Clay Aiken and Ruben Stutter, but I've never heard this song before. And yeah, your I thoughts? My thoughts on the song? Yeah, very bland. Uh, 
doesn't really compare to any of the other songs that we're talking about. Um, I don't know. I don't really feel the need to listen to it again. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, despite being very into American Idol at the time, I also have no recollection of the song, which is very strange to me. I think I didn't, I don't know. I feel like I would have heard it. Obviously, it was a number one song, and I liked American Idol, but I just had no recollection of it, which is very strange. And I agree with what Aton said. Just very, it seems very forgettable. Very kind of generic ballad that we heard a lot of in like, I don't know, 96, 97 era episodes. Feels a little dated already by 2003. It's, it's important to mention. So, so again, we discussed this last week when we were talking about A Moment Like This by Kelly Clarkson, which is absolutely no one's favorite Kelly Clarkson song. I think that's a much better song than this, though. I, I I agree. Like, and and we both, you know, you know, shout on that song. That this song's even worse. Like, it has no. Like, I remember a moment like this. You know, like I I I didn't listen to it forever, but I remembered it. This I again didn't remember. Um, with American, it's so weird Idol, that we were both into the season of American Idol and don't remember Clay Aiken's number one song. Maybe it's because he never he didn't win. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just a very forgettable song. Yeah, I think I think we it's it's also at least with the first few seasons of American Idol where like, I mean, I, actually probably every season of American Idol where like you know the songs that they make for the show for these winners and runner up are like so purposely generic, you know, so that yeah. like like I know that with a moment like this, it was basically written so that either Kelly or Justin you know, could have sang it if they won, you know? And I think they both did sing it. You know, I don't know if, you know, I guess Ruben Sutter could have sang the song too, but, you know, they're kind of purposely generic. But I think especially when you have like Clay Aiken singing it, it's like generic and even more generic than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if Ruben Sutter won, why, why was his song not number one? I don't know. That's a good question. I think, I mean, I think he had a slightly less, like he played more into soul music yeah. uh, and went for less poppier songs. Um, I mean, he did have a song in the hundred. Which, well, sorry, sorry, 2004. Oh, oh, you mean this year? Did I think he had one this year. Yeah, right? he did. And it was also kind of not my cup of tea. Oh, reality is flying without wings. I don't remember that either. Yeah, more. I remember. Hip-hop-ish. I remember a song. Yeah, that there are songs by both of these artists that I remember. That's the thing. I remember "Sorry" two thousand four because it was a ridiculous song. I don't know if either of you remember that. I don't remember any um, of songs. I think I remember that. "Sorry," you're like, it's just so funny. You know, it was a song that was literally tied around the year they came out being two thousand four. Um, and I remember "Invisible" by Clay Aiken. I don't know which was not good either, but maybe it was a little bit more memorable because it had like a beat to it. Yeah, these two will be linked forever. I think Clay Aiken ran for uh, political office at one point. Yeah, he does. And he's, I think, gearing up for another run soon. Oh my God. Senator Aiken. He's trying to trying to unseat the Republican in his district in North Carolina. <laughs> he, he still is. Yeah, I think I read that. Did I make that up? Let's see. I believe you. Maybe I made that. Maybe he's not still actively campaigning. I hope he is. 
Citing his appearance on The Apprentice, Aiken defended Donald Trump against accusations of racism during the 2016 presidential race. Never mind. I don't want to. (laughs) But he did reiterate that he did not vote for Trump. So. Okay. Oh. What? After Charlottesville, he tweeted an apology for denying Trump was racist and said, quote, I'm a fucking dumbass. <laughs> so he saw the light eventually. Thank God. Thank God we have centrist Republicans like Clay leading us. Oh, he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat? I thought you yeah. said he was a Republican. I, know. I said he was trying to unseat, he's trying to get Republicans out, out of his district. He was trying to win as a Democrat in a very red North Carolina district in 2014. This is this is why I love Clay Aiken. Yeah. That's why everyone likes him because he can he can reach over to both sides. Yeah, but I think I made up that he was still in politics. Speaking of reaching over to both sides, we have the can we can we say song of the summer, July 12th through August 30th. For eight weeks at number one, we have the first solo entry from Beyonce featuring Jay-Z. We have Crazy in Love. It's a really good song. Um, I don't know. I feel like my notes are negative on it because they say, I feel like its peak is in the first few seconds. Like that horn hook is just so good when it comes in and it's like boom in your face. And I feel like nothing gets to kind of that level, that horn sample, but it just, it is just a really good song and really catchy. And I think maybe because I was such a big Destiny's Child song, uh, Ch- Destiny's Child's fan, that I, a lot of my favorite Beyonce's, early Beyonce, where this really does feel like it could have just been a Destiny's Child song, um, more so yeah. than her later stuff. Um, and it's really good. It's catchy. I feel like, you know, it'd get people out on the dance floor. I don't remember this being played at Bar Mitzvah season, but I feel like it must have. Yeah, it must have been a successful was. song. Um, yeah, yeah, just really great brother. song. Catchy. Makes you want to dance. Yeah, I think this is kind of like a perfect song. Just like the beat, the mix of Beyonce and Jay-Z, who are like this power couple, but also like huge artists. Um, And I think it also just holds up really well. Like 18 years later, it still sounds really good. Um, So I love it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty much a perfect song. I I would agree. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, you know, Beyonce's had this obviously incredible career and, you know, was, you know, you might argue the biggest artist around today, you know, still. And she's, you know, now what, like, I mean, well over 20 years into her career. Um, I still think this might be her best song. Like, I, I just think it's like, you know, it's just like Kind of in a similar, I mean, I I think of it kind of a similar way to like Hey Ya, where it's just like it just like balances these different genres so well, you know, like there's a hip hop influence within it. Like you have the Jay-Z verse, which is like a great guest verse. Like it's memorable. It's it's brief. Like 
Uh, and there's a lot of other future later Beyonce songs featuring Jay-Z that are not nearly as good, um, especially with the Jay-Z verse. So it's like, you know, you had the hip hop part of it. You have this kind of old soul, like, you know, with the horns and the, you know, kind of, you know, big bombast sound. Uh, you know, it's poppy, it's hooky. Like, it just kind of has like a little bit of everything to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's also like, you know, how could you have like a bigger start to your solo career than that? With that being said, I, I actually, and now I'm curious, like, because Willie said, like, you know, it, it would have been interesting to hear it as a Destiny's Child song, and that would be interesting, too. I mean, I I, I could hear that, too. Like, it's not necessary. Yeah, I feel like you could have, you could have the same chorus, but maybe with some vocal harmonies thrown in, and then, then rotating verses. Like, it, it, yeah. um, like, it, I don't know, in my, I don't know if this is based in fact or composition, but it, it kind of reminds me of Survivor when I hear it yeah yeah I, I just think it's like but like yeah similar to i, I again mentioned hey just because they both to me like just kind of like touch on all these genres which is it's part of the reason why there's such you know huge hits and they're still like considered you know these great timeless songs um I, yeah i mean it, it, it's one of those things where like you know beyonce could put out like great out great album after album or like you know great song, song and i'm still like i think this is still her best song you know at least of her big songs. Yeah, and I agree about the Jay-Z verse. I think a lot of these songs, like the rap verses, just sound like really forced on top of the rest of the song, but this one like works really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like there have been some other Jay-Z verses on like like Justin Timberlake songs and that like don't work really well. You, you don't you don't love his verse on a suit and tie no. or a monster or you know these later songs where he doesn't rap well anymore um yeah no this is a, and it's like the peak of his career too like you know you mentioned the black album like he has the black album out at this point like he's he's you know at a peak too so um so we move september 6th to september 27th we have the trio of nelly p diddy and with his first number one hit murphy lee with shake it tail Philip. This is a song where, when it came out, I loved the song so much. And I think part of the reason was I was such a, I was a huge Nelly fan. I think at that point, I was probably a big P. Diddy fan too. Didn't really care much about Murphy Lee, although he's associated with Nelly. So I, you know, liked him. Um, I just, I just remember like trying to hear the song all the time when it came out. Um, it's still a good song. I think it holds up for the most part. Um, I don't think it's as good as some of the other big, big songs on this list, but 
um it's fun like it's a, it's a, it's a fun song and you know it helps that you have these like huge names attached to it yeah i think this was probably my favorite song at the time like i just listened to it constantly it was also on my bar mitzvah cd okay because um, it was like all songs from movie soundtracks and this was obviously from bad boys too as they mentioned that's right yeah um but yeah i think it was kind of like nelly at it like his peak popularity um i do think the the murphy lee verse is like pretty ridiculous but it's still i can't even think of it but i mean yeah, I'm, I, yeah. um I wonder what, yeah, Will, did you have a, did you have a connection like we did to this song? I don't remember my reaction to this song at the time, um, but I, I'm sure I didn't listen, like, I didn't, I remember having a weirdly early opinion that was like, country grammar is great, and then other stuff by Nelly I don't like as much. Like, I don't know if that was based on me actually listening to the other stuff, because I don't think I had any album except country grammar. But I definitely didn't get into any of the stuff after that as much as I did with Country Grammar. I don't know. I don't love this song. I think the whole like uh, Braves Tomahawk chant thing going throughout kind of just annoys me. Yeah. And I already hated that chant in 2003. So I probably didn't (laughs) love it at the time either. But that was more just not liking the Braves being the World Series all the time than anything else. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah. love this song that much but i don't really remember my opinion they, at the time they probably couldn't get away with that now having that as like a big part of the song i mean the braves still get away with doing it at every game <laughs> that's true yeah um yeah i don't know I, I i just you know this is a song where like i feel like for a lot of you know for me and Aton, like I, it seemed like for whatever reason like this was the song that like hooked so many people <laughs> like because I, I feel like, at the, you know, I had, I had other friends who were like, you know, love the song too. Like, and it was like, you know, the go-to song for like, you know, white suburban boys age 12 to like 13. Um, There's just something incredibly catchy about the chorus. Like, I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's just addicting. Honestly, I think part of it is like, it is a chant. I hate to say it, but it kind of is like, you know, you know, just like something that you know people can kind of dance along to and like yell out and just kind of this big party song that you know just yeah. happened to be include like two huge names and murphy lee um murphy lee not even my favorite non-nelly member of the saint lunatics it's important <laughs> i like the guy with the half mask i don't know his name but you know he was he's more memorable looking and i don't even remember murphy lee's verse on this i would have to go back but you're, you're telling me it's ridiculous so i will be going back at some point october 4th through november 29th uh eight weeks of number one i can't even believe it's that long but we have beyonce's second entrance we have sean paul's second entrance onto the charts we have baby boy from dangerously low yes, no me so good baby oh, I'm so wrapped up in your love let me go let me breathe yo, yo. stay on my fantasy when I'm ready for give me the thing they're ready for really get to life 
me all about the things where you will fantasize. I know you dig the way me step, the way me make me stride. Follow your feeling, baby girl, because they cannot be denied. Come to the inner the night, I make we get it amplified. But I quit for run the ship, me now go slip, me now go slide. In other words, the love I got to give is certified. For giving the toughest and get started for ride, girl. Another song that I loved at the time. This was on. Uh, if I had had, I, 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 I'd say absolutely. If I had made a performance of CD, this would be on it. Um, I think part of it is just. I think. I think this is a great like duet. Like I think this is like. I think Sean Paul has this great. You know, like he serves such a big purpose to the song <laughs> that I appreciate even more now listening to it. And it's just like kind of this like unique sound for Beyonce, like her kind of taking on this different style. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still really like the song. I um, I like how Sean Paul is like interspersed throughout the whole yeah. song. It's not just like he has like his own separate verses. He's like part of it. Yeah. I think that's what really makes it work. Um, I wish they'd done more songs together, honestly, but um yeah, no, this is I, I I thought long and hard about like making this like my top song for the year, but I'll spoil it and say it's not. But but again, like I, you know, maybe it's also because like I realize that that kind of dance hall, I mean, I don't know what you would call this style of song. Like, is it dance hall? Is it like reggae influence? It's not really. It has like it has like Eastern influences. I don't even know. Like, but it's uh I think again just kind of speaks to like how those like international sounds were so big at this point in the year will as a, as a as a destiny child i don't know i'm going against the grain again you don't like it i don't it's i don't dislike it i just i don't know i it's i didn't rem, i mean i remember it from the time but kind of vaguely and then when i heard it again i was like uh i don't know it's a little forgettable it i don't know i for me, the Sean Paul feature didn't work as well as it did for you guys. I just felt like they didn't feel like they were playing off each other that much. Maybe it's just because oh. Sean Paul's sound is so unique. I don't know. It just, it kind of felt like they were, even though it was interspersed throughout, it just kind of felt like it was more two different styles that kind of got jammed together. But I don't know. I didn't listen to it that close when I had, and like I said, I didn't remember that well. So maybe I need to listen to it more now that you guys both like to give it more of a chance. One one critic wrote that, quote, Baby Boy's Diwali stutter is enhanced by Sean Paul's dancehall monotone. Which sure, I agree. You would agree? <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, like, I think it's something that it's also, it's also like a song that I don't think Beyonce could, would do now. Like, I think it's... Well, it's funny you say that because at least according to Wiki, I was very surprised to read this. It says it has remained a staple in her shows okay. that she still plays this. But I mean, who knows when that was written? It's it's there though, and I was surprised at that because it does seem like so different than you know what I would think people would want to kind of hear when they go to Beyonce concert. But I could see it being fun live, so it probably works well. She performed at the halftime show. I remember. Oh yeah, that long ago. Um, yeah. We finally have the first number one song for our for our uh, theme song artist, Ludacris. Number 
uh, one for one week, December 6, 2003. Uh, and we have Stand Up featuring Shauna. My necklace. I pulled up with a million trucks, looking, smelling, feeling like a million bucks. Past the bottles, the heat is on. We in the huddle, all smoking that cheech and chong. What's wrong? The club and the moon is full, and I'm looking for a thick young lady to pull. One short shot way to get him out of them pants. Take note to the brand new dance like this. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. Hell yeah. Hey DJ, bring that back. When I move. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Ludacris finally has his number one song. It's stand up. Were, were you guys Ludacris fans? Yeah. yeah. I think Rollout was the song that got me really into Ludacris. Um, but speaking of Kanye productions, this was actually a Kanye production. Which I did. I just learned that reading it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I like this song. It's not my favorite Ludacris song, but it's good. Yeah. yeah Ludacris is one of those artists I never really got into and still haven't, but it was anytime he had a big song, I remember enjoying it. So it's one of those artists that I kind of wonder why I didn't listen to more at the time. And I like the song. I agree with Aton, it's not my favorite by him, but it is catchy and I don't know, it feels kind of fresh compared to the other songs from the number one, just such an aggressive vocalist compared to some more, I'd say, laid back flows we've heard in rappers from this year and recent years. Um, but yeah, I don't know, not my favorite, but I like it. Were there other like ludicrous songs that you... Uh, don't put me on the spot. I'm bad at uh, well, 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 I guess song you, titles. You said, I guess you, you said you weren't a big Ludacris. Okay. I wasn't, but I remember like, oh, there'd be a song that was like, oh, that's Ludacris. I like that song. You know, it's like I never made an effort with him, but it was like when I when I like realized it was Ludacris that I was listening to, it was normally a song I was enjoying. You're more of a Splash Waterfalls kind of guy. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, again, I, I think it's somewhere vain to like, Shake a Tail Feather, this was a song that when it came out, I really got into. Like, and again, I think this is all, again, because I'm of the age where it's like meant for me as the like young white audience, <laughs> um, like to, you know, hear this really aggressive, like big beat. Uh, I, you know, I, I, it's not his, you know, I, I don't think it's his best song by any measure. Like, I think it's fun. I, I, I think. I don't know, it just kind of surprised me, like, this is the number one song. Like, this is his first, you know? Like, yeah, I remember Rollout being so big when it came out. It was kind of everywhere. I, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, like, even, like, What's Your Fantasy being kind of everywhere. But, um, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting sometimes to see, like, certain artists that their number one, so their first number one song, it's like, that's the one? I'm like, okay, you know? Um, it, actually, it actually kind of surprised me a little bit that Kanye produced it. It doesn't sound to me at least, like a particularly Kanye beat, but. Yeah, I was surprised about that. I'm surprised Move Bitch wasn't a number one. I remember that <laughs> yeah, being that, Yeah, I mean, you know, that was huge. Like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna. Get yeah. Back was another one. I think Get Back came later, but yeah, I, I don't think it was number one at least, but um, is it, is it, would it be controversial to say that I think Ludacris might ultimately be a better like feat, like, his features are better than his own songs. 
I agree with that because it's just I don't know his voice just feels so unique when it comes on as a feature and then when in his singles it's like I'm almost kind of I don't know I think the novelty works well with his voice and that plays a lot better in the feature in his own songs I'm sometimes kind of over it by the end of the song I think you're right I think it's like the novel yeah you're right like the novelty of it like it it's kind of like DMX is the same way yeah I think I'm the same way because I was never a huge DMX fan but I don't know if you really feature on other people's songs as much, but yeah, like, I mean, there's other songs from this era, like, you know, like One Minute Man by Missy Elliott, that, that is verse on it. I hear it. I'm like, that's, he's so great, you know, like, and then going back at least and listening to these songs, I'm like, I like it, you know, Ludacris is, deserves the credit he has earned, you know, I, I think he's getting a lot of like people kind of going back and, you know, I think he still has a really great reputation, but like, I don't know. I don't think it's the actual songs necessarily are as like memorable or long, like hold up quite as much as maybe some other hip hop songs. But that's unfair to say. Um, last, we have wrapping up 2003, December 13th to December 27th. I think it's going to continue on to 2004. I don't think I'm, uh, uh, that's an unfair thing to say because it's Hey by Outcast. worth mentioning that this is the number one song at the same time that Saddam Hussein was captured in the small town of Ad-Dar in the U.S. by the U.S. Army. So it was a very happy time, you know. Did, did one affect the other? Maybe. Um, but, yeah. A song that's everywhere. Thought, thoughts on Heya specifically. Just, again, a song that was inescapable, I think. Fair to say. I was obsessed with it when it came out. And then it got kind of like a little overplayed, but I just, I loved it when I first heard it. I didn't even really know like what genre it was. I just thought it sounded really good. I think I also wasn't even that familiar with Outkast at the time. Like I knew Miss Jackson, maybe a couple other songs, but it wasn't really until later that I like listened to all their older albums. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the ultimate bar mitzvah, like wedding song. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i i think i i think i probably had a similar reaction i just this is still a song that i've heard so many times that it just you know i i would like to you know you know it, it'd be pretty cool if i could like hear for the first time again um because like i think it does deserve like you know it it was it is still ranked by let's see if i can find it like you know, it's constantly ranked in like the greatest songs of the last like, you know, 25, 30 years. Like, and I think for good reason. And I think, you know, you mentioned like what genre is it? Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I still don't know what to call it because it's not really like a hip hop song. It's a little weird to be like just a big, you know, pop song. Like, it, it's just kind of fusing these genres. Um, but it is like 
one of those songs I just I've, I've heard it so much I, it's hard to listen to it with like an objective <laughs> you know ears is because like it, it's everywhere it was everywhere it still is kind of everywhere and you know outcast being you know the group that they are like I think sometimes it can like overshadow their other stuff in a weird way but yeah I mean I think it's kind of in like a certain way kind of sad that this song is like so much more well known than a lot of their other songs because I don't know if this song is really like the best reflection of them right group yeah I mean I you know it's like you know I, I don't think you can insult the song itself like it's such a perfect like interesting unique song um but yeah it, it's not really representative like of their catalog ultimately um you know uh and you know again it's it's it's, it's hard to even really call it like an outcast song it's just it, it's only 103,000 like big boys nowhere on the song i don't think it had anything to do with the song um so it's just kind of his like you know breakout moment and i think like you know he was always the artist that was like getting weirder and doing different stuff and so like it kind of makes sense that i think it ultimately culminated in this but that's like yeah it's not maybe the best representation um yeah i did listen to speaker box and the love below a lot but i mainly listened to speaker box okay because it was more like hip-hop and the love below was more kind of just like weird experimental songs yeah i think i listen to below below but I, but actually speaker box i i think i didn't listen to you really much at all and then only later did i kind of go back and listen to you and be like okay this is more consistently like solid throughout i mean it has the way you move on it so you know it's had its own big song will what, what was your connection to this song at the time it's pretty similar to yours especially what Aton was saying where I, first two times i heard it's like oh my god this is so different than anything i've heard this is incredible and then, like, by the end of our mid-50s, then I was like, okay, like, can we stop playing the song constantly? I was just sick of it. But hearing again, I mean, I can see why I loved it, and I still think it's just an incredible song. It just, it feels so much more interesting than other songs that were number ones from the year. Like, the intro is so different from the chorus, which is so different from the verses, which is so different from, like, the breakdown, but they all kind of just work together in this weird kind of mishmash. Um wiki the instrumentation i don't even know what it was but wikipedia basically says it's like the same as flaming lips's standard integrate in instrumentation and i was like huh i don't really hear any flaming lips but i don't know them that well but that definitely i'm sure adds to the kind of uniqueness that i feel about the song i really yeah. i don't know i kind of wish it had a big boy verse to be honest like yeah it probably would have taken it away from being this huge massive just everywhere song because it would have put it more kind of anchored it a little more like the world of hip-hop and rap probably but I feel like if he just came in with like a great rap break it would have just like kind of put this next level at least for what I would have enjoyed I could see that I mean I could see that because I, I think it's like you know some of the great you know especially for this time some of the great outcast songs like I mean you know song like Roses which is a song that I just remember gravitating to more probably because it wasn't hey uh, like but it was still super catchy and it had the big boy verse on it and then that was a memorable verse you know yeah so i i could see that um, and this does feel like such an impressive song because it feels like under 3000 it's just like i'm gonna make a song that'll be played at like every wedding forever and then he accomplished that goal like he's just like here it is boom like you got the call and response which everybody loves at that those sorts of events you've, you've just got everything that you need to make this like 
a huge crowd pleaser and it was probably like immediately one of the biggest wedding songs and then still is probably huge today in weddings um i think, I think most weddings i've been to have played the song yeah and like i don't know the music video i don't remember if he's like actually at a wedding but it's kind of got like a wedding band yeah vibe where he's like doing each role so it's like he really seems to have done this you know completely intentionally and just succeeded in everything he wanted the song to be immediately yeah like i would love to watch like a you know 10 minute video with like an interview with andre 3000 just about how he made the song because i think that in itself was like the most fascinating parts like how do you get to this point you know um actually i mean reading the reviews now normally i don't like most of rolling stones reviews like but Apparently at the time they compared it to like a little Richard song. And I think that might be like the closest thing, honestly, I could think of, of like, you know, just like, just this high energy, like, you know, like, what is this? Like, you know, it, but it really just kind of ultimately comes down to just like the energy and the party atmosphere. It's like, that's kind of it, you know? Like, yeah. Looking at the Wikipedia is pretty fascinating just to see like how diverse the comparisons are. Like, yeah. Like I mentioned the Flaming Lips, you said Little Richie, the same review called like the backing arrangement compared it to Beatles on Abbey Road. I see like Devo, Prince name drop. It's just like, Prince, you know, you've got something interesting when you have all those different artists as comparison points. I like how we both just use the same Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia is all you need. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's an undeniably classic song, but you know, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, I, I think about this sometimes, like, I'm sure that people, you know, middle schoolers now probably have heard this song, I would imagine, like, they had, but, like, I, you know, I'd be curious to hear, like, Gen Z's reaction to this song, like, not having lived through it, but, you know, because this was a song that I think permeated with, like, people our age, our parents probably, like, people our parents' age, um, you know, so, like, does it still have that, like, lasting value? I'm sure it does, but I'd be curious to like see the reaction. I bet this is still played up on says. We talked a lot. Well, well <laughs> speaking, we, we wrap up 2003, so that's the last number one song. Um, I feel like we've said bar moments with so much, but I think it's like almost inevitable because like these are the songs that like probably the most memorable places we heard them were at like bar mitzvahs and stuff like that. Um, other other final thoughts like what about you know in terms of final thoughts for these songs what do you think like what what defines 2003 you know is there a sound like you know or is it kind of like as eclectic as ever um this is probably true in 2002 as well though i didn't do my due diligence because i wasn't on that episode i haven't listened to all but it feels like probably starting 2002 but continuing into 2003 like hip-hop has fully taken over yeah in a way that was very much coming the last few years but now it's just like basically every number one with like throwing a week of clay Aiken, like maybe b2k is more r&b than hip but it feels like <laughs> that is like firmly rooted self like you don't have the random alt rock song that gets into the number one spot ever you don't have some of those that we've seen in other years like kind of break through some other donors it feels like it's it's there that it's firmly got a stranglehold on the number one spot. It's also just kind of crazy how many like huge rappers are on this list, like Eminem, 50 Cent, Jay-Z, Ludacris, Nelly. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a great year. Yeah, just kind of the superstar status of these artists. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, I agree with Will. Like that hip, you know, we've kind of seen it over the years, but like by this point, like hip hop is the genre, and like, yeah, I mean, even the like R and B, you know, even B two, you know, you think about B two K. I guess you know you could say technically with that J Lo song, even though LL Cool J's verse isn't like you know like kind of a super like hip hop sounding verse, you know certainly with like uh, Beyonce and Jay Z, like you know there's hip hop influence there. Um, yeah, I mean so that's definitely true. I, I think it's definitely also just memorable because it's the kind of outside influences of this year in particular, like with Sean Paul, with, uh, you know, just Baby Boy being this kind of weird sounding song, um, these other influences. Um, but, you know, that's also true of some other songs on the, like, the top 100 that maybe we'll get to, including one that I want to uh, touch on. But we get to the top, our top fives for the year. So uh, who, any, anyone want to start? Top Let me go five. first because I don't feel strongly about. I I found that this a tough year, maybe the toughest to do a top five, and it for me was because there are so many songs I liked and so few I loved. Like there are so few songs that was like, boom, this has got to be in there. Boom, this got to be in there. It's more just like I like all these songs, but I don't love love it, any of these songs. Okay. Um, some a few honorable mentions uh i won't spend too long because i might be on some of your lists um get low is a great song that i came very close to putting on and i feel like it's like it's great because it's like kind of a gimmicky song but at the same time it's just got great verses like throughout and just still like gets everybody excited when it comes on landslide might have made my list if it wasn't a cover that was another one that's very close i think it's a great song um sugar sugar i loved at the time and still think it's just a pretty catchy fun song that came very close but for my top five okay oh beautiful last honorable mention very close as well what by christina aguilera yeah um ignition maybe so, would have been there if i didn't want to i'm not going to give r kelly the benefit of the doubt but it was close as well you, you know you mentioned get low um which is not on my list um but someone i maybe one of you or one of our friends like I think at some point said like they get low is kind of one of these songs that like is a generational song maybe one of you said I, I someone said it recently and I was like oh that's true like because like it's what yeah you're right it's kind of like in the same in a weirdly same vein as like a Mr. Brightside or like a you know a, like being a song that like is so not only big but like big for people our age you know like yeah like almost like a novelty song of itself <laughs> um yeah i mean going back to the bar mitzvah thing this is a song that like everyone would just sing along to yeah and like every bar right. mitzvah. and everyone could laugh about just like the unedited versus edited version of the song and yeah um all right so your top five top five yeah. number five was one i never would expect to be in there because i don't remember liking that much at the time yeah but it's i'm with you by evelyn okay i'm gonna find it now yeah and while you are i will say that the beatles documentary has made it impossible to even jokingly believe in paul is dead as a conspiracy theory um just because he's so obviously a genius in the documentary but i can stand by 
No, but there's also an Avril Lavigne is dead controversy or a conspiracy oh, theory. Yes, 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 yes. And I feel like now I, I've got, just got to get behind that one instead because it's like Skater Boy I loved, uh, Complicated I love. This song I don't remember loving, but I love it now when I hear it. I'm like, man, she should have just been huge. Like, I loved Avril. Right. And then she kind of fell off after I think I agree. Like, I like the song a lot more personally than Complicated and Skater Boy. And I think part of it is maybe because it's more like adult. I'll turn, like, it's something that, like, Michelle Branch could have done. It sounds like a Michelle Branch song. Yeah. You know? Which I also like the Michelle Branch from this 100, but did not make my list. But yeah, one I don't remember loving, but I thought it was just a great song. Um, and then overall, leading into the rest of this, I don't know what it is about this year, but I guess this is what I was listening to at the time. I feel like I was moving away from hip hop surprisingly considering all the great hip-hop we've already seen to be from this year I was listening to a lot of like pop and alt rock more so than in earlier years um, but number four is the closest I get to hip-hop which is Hey Ya um, great song we already talked about it three a song I absolutely love at the time and still think it's just catchy fun and a pretty song is The Remedy by Jason Mraz okay so so again going with the not hip-hop yeah I feel like I'm very shifting away from hip-hop and I don't know why why, why, is, why is the live version the only thing that's coming up? Oh, no, never mind, I found it. But at the time, I loved it, and I'm going with a lot of nostalgia for this year. Uh, speaking of which, my number two is from a band I credit with kind of really opening up my horizons to harder rock than I had previously listened to. Oh, wow. And that is Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Oh, man. That was a big, as I find it, that was, like, really high up, right? That was, uh, I don't remember. But I, I was huge. I was, like, I got so into Evanescence for a while. Number 10, I mean. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was there a lot. And at the time, I don't know why I felt like I was kind of, maybe it's because I was listening to the rest of their album a lot more, but I felt like I was getting into something for one to like, not everybody was listening to. And I was just a big Evanescence fan and really liked this one. Yeah, and I know it's not actually all that, it's not really, I'd say, harder rock than, I don't know, like random alt rock, three doors down stuff that much, but it does, it does feel really different. It seemed, I remember at the time being like, huh, this is like, it's weird that the song is getting so much airplay. You know, here's my, here's my, um, I don't know, eight time going. I was just going to say, it kind of has like a Linkin Park vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
I think, yeah, my, my, my smart music uh, comment would be that it kind of bridges, you know, the like three doors down Nickelback kind of stuff that we heard before with like the like emo stuff that's going to come a little later, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And I remember even at the time I was like, I was wishing other songs from that album got more play because it was never my favorite from that album. Like if I could have, I would have picked like My Immortal or something, mm-hmm. but I still need to get that evanescence representation in there uh and then number one I, a song i just remember listening to all the time around now i i have like a weird memory of like listening to this in the pile locker room which is maybe a false memory because in whitman we could listen to stuff on our headphones but i don't think we actually could in pile but either way i just think it's a great song uh unwell by matchbox form wow Okay. Might be good for something. Hold on. Feeling like I'm headed for a breakdown. And I don't know why. But I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. I know right now you can't tell. But stay a while and maybe then you'll see a different side of me. You really went in the rock direction. Yeah, I, I like don't even. I didn't even really realize until we were starting this that it's like everything is such a departure from the number ones we listen to. I don't know what that. I think it was just what I was listening to at the time, and I had a lot of nostalgia for it. But I do think this is a great song. Um, if I don't remember if it was two thousand or two thousand one, when our episode with Lana, Matchbox Twenty came up a lot, and I kept saying like, even though all these bands like Three Doors Down, Third Eye Blind, Matchbox Twenty, all the bands with numbers kind of ran together with me when I look back and think about it now it's like Matchbox 20 is the one I always like the songs of is this song I was mostly thinking of because this song I just loved at the time this this song I thought was older maybe that's why because there are other big songs for maybe a few years older yeah so I'm surprised it even was on the charts hey Tom were you were you a Matchbox 20 fan at all were you like an adult contemporary person like Will yeah I mean I like them but not my favorite right all right i'm gonna go i'm gonna I'll, I'll i'll do my top five quick and then Aton can rev it up so uh, a few just honorable mentions um very very uh um uh change of pace from unwell my my honorable mention one of them is is magic stick Lokim featuring 50 cent good song uh, a little different I'm in the telly working up a switch group. Tonight's the night. You can fall in love. You can call your mama right now. Tell her you met a dog. I pop a lot of shit because I can back it up. My left stroke's the death stroke. I won't even. Yeah. I mean, it's the beat. It's the beat to me. Yeah, the beat is great. So memorable and so hooky. Um, I kind of didn't want to include it because it's maybe a little obvious, but then I did. Is uh, Another honorable mention is, is Clocks by Coldplay. I just think it's a great song. I wasn't a huge Coldplay. So I, like, I think I think for some people, like that this album, this Coldplay album, is like so, you know, such a important album. But I would say the song. It's like I don't know. I can't really say anything bad about it. It's just a really pretty song. Um, a very honorable mention goes to a song that I completely forgot about. I never knew what it was called, but it's by Wayne Wonder. It's called No Letting Go. And it goes like this. Got somebody, she's a beauty. 
That clapping, like, comes like it's almost a set. Like, I think it's very similar to like um, uh, um, um, the the Sean Paul song, busy. "Get Busy." And there's another song on the list that I, that is similar that I won't look up, but like has the almost the exact same like clap thing, which like kind of blew my mind. I think I, I really like the song. I had not thought about it in so long. I never knew what it was called. I mostly like the synth part, and yeah, it's a nice song. Um, all right, number five is uh, Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake. I don't think we've touched on yet, but let's play a little snippet. Um, I don't know. It's such a well done song. Like it's like the Timberland beat um, is so well suited for the song. It's like it's got the personal kind of like you know the the context of like you know with with the Britney Spears of it all. Um, a song that I I don't think I loved at the time, but it's like kind of an undeniably good pop song to me. Um, Another number four, the f- next song on the very album is uh, Rock Your Body by Justin Timberlake. Like to me, it's just like this throwback sound. It this is a song. I mean, I really didn't like at the time because it was everywhere, and then I think it was kind of played on like both like MTV and like you could hear on the radio, and it was just kind of inescapable. But now I like it more. Um, I'll, I'll I'll shout out uh, occasional guests of the show, Jonathan Elbaz, who has pointed out that it is one of the best bridges in pop music, and I. I completely agree. It's got this great like bridge near the end. Um, just kind of a classic sounding song. Like it sounds like a Michael Jackson song. I think it's kind of an ode to Michael Jackson in a way. But um, so that's four. Three is Light Glue by Sean Paul, which is. But the promises are compared to a fool, so cool. But they don't know, so that man have to rule the school. When I pet them, just wet them up just like a pool. When I dig me to river, I feel used up my tool. But I don't really care what people say. I don't really watch what them want to say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I just, I, I think I just like, I like this song more than Get Busy and the other ones. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of why it is. I think it's kind of a cool, like, kind of little beat underneath, like, kind of the synthy chorus of it all um i think the melody in the chorus is also more interesting and yeah more distinct from the verses than some of his other songs i think i can like some of the lyrics too or there's some like pretty memorable like little snippets of, of lyrics in there too um 
yeah like I, I think to me it's like that's like kind of the peak of what Sean Paul does uh at least of the hits that I know um two and one I kind of went back and forth I I, I I think they're just like the two best songs I think you know as huge as they were I think deservedly so but I I ended up just I'll say number two I, I said is in the club uh for reasons we've discussed and number one is crazy in love uh for reasons we've discussed so I think crazy in love is just like kind of a perfect pop song so Aton, you're 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 five. Do you have some honorable mentions first? Yeah, I have a few honorable mentions. Uh, the first one is "When I'm Gone" by Three Doors Down. Yeah, um, I don't think it's as good as Kryptonite, but it's still a great song. Yeah, I need to hear a little bit of it because I, I think I remember how it goes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and then I have Get Low, which we talked about. Uh, P.I.M.P. by 50 oh Cent. Oh, my God. For now, some reason, yeah, for some reason, this was the 50 Cent song that I listened to the most, like more than in the club. Um, so it's just like very nostalgic for some reason. Let me, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you heard about me. Put up this thing, get a dollar out of me. No Cadillac, no perms, you can't see. I think I think I think Aton, we we very much like gravitate towards the same like like hits of these artists like because I think PIMP was the one I was like oh I like this song like you yeah. know the big fifty cent songs <laughs> like, I guess the, different yeah, than... as like a twelve year old like suburban white kid was <laughs> listening yeah. to the song but. Did you, did you like the remix with Snoop Dogg? Yeah. I loved the remix with Snoop Dogg because it was even more ridiculous. And the video was ridiculous too. Um, so, on, uh, the, but that, that was an honorable mention. It wasn't even top. Yeah. Well, okay. And then I also have uh, Jenny from the Block by J-Lo. Is that from this year? Okay. Well, you like that song. Yeah. That's a good song. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have no analysis of that song, but it's a good song. All right. And then Shake Your Tail Feather. So these are all the honorable mentions. Those, those are all honorable mentions. Okay. 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 So my top five, I have Clocks by Coldplay, which I think you had. But I'll, at least I'll, I'll play this though. For those who haven't heard Clocks by Coldplay, <laughs> and are still listening uh, to this podcast. I think this was the like the first Coldplay song that I really liked. Yeah. And I still think it's one of their best songs. I think there's been this like, I don't know if it's always been this way, but like well, I know that like for, for a lot of people, like Fix You for whatever reason is like their favorite big one. And to me, I was always like, I, I don't really know why, because there's clock still, like, and that's to me much more memorable. <laughs> and a lot of people will say like, you know, yellow, like I think, but like, I don't know, maybe I'm not 
perceiving it correctly, but I feel like there's been this like move away from clocks and to me, I'm like, clocks is the best song. Like, what are we talking about? Um, yeah, um, great song. And number four is Baby Boy. Uh, number three, Cry Me a River, which we already talked about. Yeah. And then number two is Sugar Sugar um, by Baby Bash. Okay. That's a, so, yeah. So so I gotta ask both of you because I think you both said this song was in your list like why like why what what makes a song so just love the melody yeah yeah and there's just something like incredibly nostalgic about it Mm -hmm. like i don't know i don't know why but when i hear it it just like takes me right back to like when i heard it for the first time is it it the hook or is it the like is it just like the beat yeah because this is a song i think for the same reason like like when I saw it was on the list, I'm like, oh, I should go back and listen to that. Like maybe I'll put that on. And I listened to it. I'm like, I don't know. Like I I couldn't even finish it. I was like, I like the hook. Like, but like to me, it's like Baby Bash is such a monotonous rapper. I don't know. Like, but so, so I'm, I'm genuinely like curious. Like, because it's a song that yeah. like, I don't like this song, but. Yeah, I, can, I, don't, I think I see why, you know. I don't think I like it for his rapping. I think I just like it more for, like, how it sounds. The guitar. Yeah. Guitar for me, it, it's very... I grouped that and... What's it called? Butterfly by Crazy Town together. Oh, wow. Okay. And I don't... Both of those songs are just songs I heard them and I was like, oh, this, like, this chorus is so pretty. I just love this song. And, like, even at the time, both of them, I feel like, I had friends who really, really disliked them, and I just remember defending them both in the same way. And I still listen, and I'm like, oh, these are still, like, I just find them nice to listen to and, like, pretty and pleasant to hear. Yeah. Shout out, for, shout out to Frankie J, too. He liked, uh, uh, a- Adam, Adam made a comment on Instagram once and, and tagged me, and uh, Frankie J liked the comment, so shout out to Frankie oh, J. Wow. Yeah. Wait, is Frankie J and Baby Bash? Baby Bash is one person, Will. He's but Frankie J also had a song in the top line. Frankie J uh, is the one who sang the, the hook. Oh, I see. I didn't he also know. had a few uh, uh, later. Uh, he, he covered more than words by Extreme. Because there was a Frankie J song, yeah, Don't Want to Try with number 71 for this year. Yeah, I didn't recognize that. I have to listen to it. I didn't recognize it. But uh, or he had a few other minor hits. That's yeah, and my number one was Crazy in Love for reasons that we already talked about. Aton and I are on the same page. Will's out of the loop. Yeah, I mean, like, if I was being objective, I think Crazy in Love would be there. I mean, it is a great song. I don't know. I just didn't have as much nostalgia with it. Like, how 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 dated and out of touch do you feel, Will, when, <laughs> when okay. we're both acknowledging Crazy in Love is the best song, and you're like, no, Matchbox 20 is still the best. It would have been really dull if we all had, like, some top fives. That's fair. So, we wrap up 2003. We're moving into 2004 very soon. But, uh, Aton, thanks for joining. Uh, any, any, any last thoughts about 2003 before we wrap up? And I'll 
I'll play a, 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 another Baby Bash song on the way out. Uh, no, I mean, I think it was a great year. Uh, definitely some classics that still hold up today. Classic year for hip hop and good music. So with that said, we will see you. I'm back in your zone, baby, back in your vibe. Now it can't be denied, I can't lie, I'm on ya. And never, ever want to say something.